1: everyone here we are back with the warrior poet project podcast been a little while sorry about that we'll try to improve (laughs) but for waiting we have a very special podcast here all about floating sensory deprivation gonna get your questions answered gonna talk about some weird experiences here with the man himself kevin johnson who is the owner and operator of the zero gravity institute the best place i've ever been to float um, I haven't been that much, but, <laughs> but this is immaculate. It's exactly what you would want, and you've done a great job. Thanks. And it makes a lot of sense because you floated how many times now? I think I've got around
2: 360, maybe a little more than that. I kind of lost count along That is the way, a lot of trips to outer space, sir. That's a lot of trips to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: So you started right about when this became commercially viable, right? That's, yeah. uh, that's what you were telling me earlier. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that, how the origins of the sensory deprivation tank came about.
2: Well, I first found out about them in the uh, mid '80s, around 1985. But the uh, tank itself was invented in 1954 by mm-hmm. a neuropsychologist named John C. Lilly. Yep. Also a linguist, uh, um, and he would. In- and Joe
1: tells that story all the time. He would inject ketamine and then go in the tank, right? Yeah, I think that, that was his program.
2: That was kind of later in, in his uh, later in his life that he started doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. He sounded like a very interesting individual.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, early on, he was, um, he was uh, working with the National Institute for Mental Health, mm-hmm. and that, that's, that's why he developed the tank in the first place. He was very interested to find out what the brain would do if it was deprived of all sensory input. Yeah. They, they kind of were under the impression that the brain might just shut down, and uh, they found out it was really kind of just the opposite. It, like, opened up in a whole new way.
1: Well, perhaps it opens up because some parts shut down.
2: That is exactly that, right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So tell us, uh, for the people who don't know too much about sensory deprivation or floating, tell us basically the principles, the theory, how your tanks are set up and, uh, and what, what happens when you go in.
2: Sure. So all, all the flotation tanks are kind of, you know, set up with using the same principles. So we, um, we're floating in a, in a shallow pool of water. It's about 10 inches deep. Mm-hmm. And in, in that 10 inches of water, we're, um, um, dissolving 1200 pounds of Epsom salt. So this is what prov- provides you with the zero gravity effect. So, Uh, You're going to enter the flotation tank. You're going to lay down on your back. As soon as you lay down, uh, apply some surface area to the water, you're going to float just right on the top, just within the first couple inches of it. That water is heated to 93.5 degrees, which is what we call skin receptor neutral. So uh, once you're floating, there's... uh, no difference, really, between the temperature of the water, your skin temperature, and the air temperature around you. That was
1: one thing that was really crazy for me in this experience. So I guess the, the tank that I went in before wasn't exactly calibrated right because in your tank, I was floating there, and I couldn't tell whether the tops of my hands or fingers were <laughs> yeah. in the water or out of the water. I had... No idea at all until I just submerged them and wiggled them around. I was like, "Okay, right. now there's water. Now I can feel the resistance." Once you get the water moving, yeah, exactly.
2: That's, that's some external stimulation for right. you, but right. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I was really curious. So yeah. a lot of people, you know, when they hear about this, they get an immediate fear. So let's talk about some of that fear, Orlando, <laughs> yeah, because I, I get it right I get now. a fear response from from a lot of people. And I'm sure you do as well. They say. It sounds like a coffin, and just on that podcast I did with uh, with Joe Rogan and Stephen Pressfield, he said the same thing. Yeah, you know, like you're 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 going to be Dracula here for yeah. for a while, and things are going to close in and on you. Guys so. were
2: kind of were kind of teasing Pressfield, yeah, about for that sure. Whole thing. Like, for we're sure. going to lock like, you in the box, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: right. So Orlando, tell us about what what freaks you out about this idea. Talk about your Whoa.
3: fear, man. I mean, like you said, it's like kind of be- being in a coffin. Like you can't see anything around you because it's dark, right? Yeah, it's completely total, dark, complete dark, and then you can't hear darkness. anything either. That's already two fears of mine <laughs> 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 combined all together. And then I'm in water. Right. You could hear your own <laughs> screams. <laughs> it sounds really like just everything wor- the worst possible scenario for me, just down to your inner, anxiety. your inner screaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Apparently, it makes everybody relax. So, I mean, I guess yeah. there's supposed to be a turning so that's point. The, so so that's
1: the fear. Now let me take you through <laughs> the actual experience yeah. of what happens. So you go in, and at least in, in the Zero Gravity Institute, um, you know, the... The tank is, you know, beautifully illuminated with some nice blue lights. It's soothing, relaxing. The door is open. Some
2: beautiful music playing. Beautiful
1: music playing. It feels like the like a health spa in Elysium or something like that. And, you know, the door the door is there. You can you know where it is. You can kinda of get your bearings on that. That is one thing you do wanna sort out, like okay, remember where the no, door we don't, is. We don't need a Remember where the door is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's you know a few things. And, and for you, I think one of the things that made a big difference for me is I had the wax earplugs because mm-hmm. I remember having some water in the ear kind of issues before, right. and then uh, the neck pillow, mm-hmm. the inflatable neck pillow to keep my neck in a position where it wasn't straining. Yeah. Um, and that made a huge difference. But basically you, you ease in, and then as you're in there, the lights are still on, and then the lights kind of go out. And, um, you know, generally, for me, in my experience, you know, it takes a little while to get used to it. You know, you start fussing around. And I think I described it in my post as, you know, I have, I call my mind in the diminutive form, which is what it deserves. You know, it's very good at solving puzzles, but it's also very juvenile. It likes, you know, has low attention span and likes to hop around. So that mind boy part of me that, you know, just the very... The very basic part of my mind, not the true, you know, inner part of myself, um, was just fussing around for a little while. But then all of a sudden, I got a little bit sleepy, and then poof, yeah, I like lit up yeah. and felt like I was, you know, really tapped in to my authentic self. And um, from there, it was a really
2: wild experience. I mean, really cool. I, we we all have a little mind boy in us. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. everybody goes through that. You know, when you first get in the tank, that that novelty. Of, of of this new environment that you've encountered, I mean, yeah. it's it's really there, there's nothing like it on on the earth. I mean, there's just there's there's nothing that you can really compare it to. You're never without gravity. You're never in total darkness. You're never in total silence. I mean, even when you're at home in in your bed in the most comfortable environment that you have. It's not like this. It, this, mm-hmm. this is a very specialized environment. And, and like you say, everything about it's really important. The fact that the temperature's just right, right. the fact that it's totally dark, totally silent. I and mean, this, this is uh, what causes this, this kind of um, cascading effect that happens to you, what we call the parasympathetic response. So uh, the, the the mechanisms in your brain and your body start to change because mm-hmm. we're, we're we're taking away a lot of the, the workload from the brain and the central nervous system. Yeah, so, you know something like ninety percent of what you normally deal with.
1: So, you know, really the way that I look at it is, you know, I've read a lot of Aldous Huxley and he's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite authors, Doors of Perception. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a good amount of the brain is designed to figure out where your next meal is, Mm -hmm. who you're going to sleep with and, you know, like who to hump, what to eat, how to drink, how to protect (laughs) yourself from tigers. You know, like that is, that is basically what our brain is doing constantly. Eat, sleep, hump protect from tigers you know obviously metaphorically right um except for the eat sleep hump part that's not (laughs) metaphorically that's very literal um but you know so so that part of the brain is filters out you know and you know this is huxley's theory of course but and it's actually been proven with some psychedelic research too but um it filters out all of the other sensory input that you know is not necessary for those basic functions and that's you know, biologically, evolutionarily, it makes sense. You know, because if you're constantly in this kind of dream state where you're deeply thinking about the nature of God and the universe and your soul's destiny, you know, you're <laughs> going to get eaten and you're not going to yeah. hump. And you know, all the things that are that are bad for the the organism, the body, you know, you open yourself up to. You know, so the brain kind of filters that out. Um, but in a psychedelic experience, whether it comes from a tank or comes from you know medicine. Uh, that part of the brain actually starts to shut down and almost like the Venetian blinds of your perception start to open up and you get more input from what it feels like to me, your higher self or that source that, you know, connects us all, whatever your belief system will allow. But something greater kind of comes in there. And it seems that with the sensory deprivation tank, that happens because you have no input for that part of the brain to worry about, you know. Yeah, it's just all of everything else shuts down and it's like, well, I'm not I don't need to eat. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to hump and there's no danger. So I'm just going to check out and whatever's left is what you get.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're 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 living somewhere in the middle of this larger scale because there's something like, you know, 11 million bits of information uh, handed to the brain every second. That that's Mm mind-boggling, right? Like, where where would we be if we were on that end of the scale as well? You know, you talk about like being off in this dreamland, thinking of you know nothing but your consciousness and God and spirituality and everything. But what what if you were on the other side of the scale? What if you were consciously aware of 11 billion bits a second entering your brain? You know, so
1: and you couldn't filter all that data out. Yeah, focus on. Thank
2: God we have those filters. Sure, because we'd we'd all be running around like mad people. We'd be eaten. Yeah, we'd be <laughs> yeah. we
1: would be slaves to some chimpanzee species, right? Just so, doing their bidding. So luckily, constantly. we're somewhere
2: in the middle of that, right? We, we've yeah. got these protective buffers on both sides of right. that that are keeping us from being, you know, too too dreamy or or too overwhelmed, you know. And mm-hmm. that's that that is the part that's helping us survive.
1: But then it's also good to you know get out of that middle ground yeah. and towards the you know kind of polar. polar extremes and you know with the psilocybin experience they're finding that and i've mentioned this before you know you think of it as adding something to your brain oh you're Mm -hmm. adding some compound that's causing you to do this it's not not what's happening at all right the psilocybin is actually restricting a certain blood flow and information to the default mode network in your brain which is that part of your brain that is operating like that so that part is getting manually kind of powered down, mm-hmm. and then the same thing is happening. More information is coming through the Venetian blinds of perception.
2: Different kind of information. Different than what kind of we're information. Used to perceiving. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder. I wonder a lot when I'm in the flotation tank if that's kind of the same thing that's going on. You know, there there is that part of you that, I mean, you find this uh, with with um, a lot of floating or or um, a lot of the psychedelic medicines that that. Um, there, there is kind of this like innate longing for that experience, right? I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of us keep going back over and over and over again to touch that, that part of us that is seemingly hard to get to out in ordinary reality, yep. you know? And it's like, I, is it you know, part of evolution? Like, have, have, have we evolved as a species and evolved culturally to where, like, we're overloaded? with with all this stimulation you know that, that's kind of my idea of what's going on in the tank is that we're filtering out the overstimulation part and we're getting sure. back to that truer higher self that you talked about yeah I
1: mean look at life it's all about overstimulation yeah. you know I mean every especially in our you know in our culture it was a lot easier you know when you're walking on the land going on long solitary hunts for a buffalo or whatever it is right and you know rising with the sun sleeping when the sun goes down i mean that our lives are not even close to an approximation of that i mean most of us are on a computer for 10 hours a day at least with the tv going for four of those hours when you get home yeah and it's you know or on your phone and it's then people and the whole system is designed for overstimulation for sure. Yeah. And so our minds are good at dealing with that and multitasking. That part of our mind is is in high effect. But the other part has to retreat in order for that to kind of take over and, and run the ship. It doesn't have to be that way, but it seems to seems to want to push you that way. Yeah. For sure. So the tanks are a great way to kind of reset that.
2: I mean I, I'm I love technology. Like, I love my smartphone. I love my recording studio. I love... I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for the uh, amazing technology that we have. But for millions of years of our evolution, we sat on the edge of a grassland waiting for a meal to walk by. Yeah. Plenty of time to contemplate the universe that we lived in and, you know, think about the big questions and and what what was going on in our lives. Now now I kind of wonder... Right, I mean, sure. There, we 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 talk about and we feel these kind of um, social and cultural breakdowns that that, um, that are you know less than attractive to us. And I wonder sometimes if that's part of it, like if, if people in general aren't getting enough time in their own head, sure, you know, away from those filters. So. Well, even
1: back you know even back in the days we were waiting on the grassland, there were still people going to caves, yeah. you know, to isolate themselves and get less stimulation then right you know i mean they knew then that they had some longing to just go inside and you know almost it almost feels like you know to me like you find your way home at that point You right. know, find your way to that to that source that you know birthed you and will exist you know beyond your beyond your death and the longing to at least know that you know is is always there i think um you know, I was really impressed with this this video that Alan Watts. Well, he didn't put out the video, but he had, he gave a speech, and the premise was, you know, basically, what would you do if you were God? Mm. And um, and the idea <laughs> was <a> <laughs> that you know any perfectly known future becomes a past, yeah. right? Because it's if it's perfectly known, you already have the recollection, the memory of it's it's as if it has already happened. Yeah. You know, so part of the deal was. <clears throat> You know, all of us who are, you know, represent collectively, this is, you know, some of my beliefs system, so all of us who represent collectively that force, that that God force, that divine intelligence, we're all a part of that. And, you know, the only way to make it interesting and to make allow for growth and allow for kind of stimulation of the pond, you know, that that change, that ripple, is to forget, you know, because if we have and and just wander off on this path of, you know, we're on an adventure. We don't know all the answers anymore. You know, we've consciously chosen to experience this without that recollection. But some part of us wants to kind of get back, you know, get back under the wing a little bit and and understand that. And I think that's part of, you know, part of what we're doing here. And it can certainly help you. You know, it's not to say that that's the good part and this life is not the good part. You know, and I think that's where some people go wrong too, you know, where they get really the ascetics who really kind of deny themselves the pleasures of this world. We're here for this world. Yeah. You know, like we got to enjoy everything that's a part of it. You know, that's otherwise what's the, what's the point? Yeah. You know, you can't kind of cheat the system and just try to go straight all the way back. You know, that's not the, that's not the idea. You want to experience everything here and reconnecting with that, that, a higher part of ourselves can help alleviate a lot of the fears and the anxieties and all the stuff that prevents us from enjoying this awesome playground that we have available to us that all too often creates unnecessary suffering.
2: Yeah, I like your idea of forgetting a little bit, you know, like keeping it random so that it keeps it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. You know,
1: he lot. says, you know, how far away can we can we get? You know, that's the that's kind of the game, <clears throat> you know, how much can we forget and Um, and that's what keeps it, you know, exciting, you know, that's, and collectively, you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of thoughts about the collective and, you know, collectively what all of humanity is experiencing and all of life is experiencing is the experience of that, you know, source, you know, it's, it's every little piece is like the mood of God, so to speak, you know, like however we're struggling happy, but it's all this collective experience that's, you know, combining and. and uh, creating something uh, at a large, you know, at a whole.
2: And so you think that's what's going on when when we uh, go to the flotation tanks or we go to psychedelic medicine, like we're trying to kind of tap back into that source. I mean, that sounds a little cliche, but I I guess it's cliche for a reason. I mean, uh, it's something that humans are drawn to, always have been drawn to. Yeah,
1: I think so. You know, I think ever since... Every culture has found their, you know, entheogenic medicine. It seems, mm-hmm. and have used that as a special sacrament because the the information that you seem to get, you know, that it's different than the n- normal information that your mind just kind of cranks out yeah. with the hand wheel. Right. You know, it feels different. It, it, you identify with it. It comes easily, and it tells you to do good things. Right. You know, it gives you good advice. Right. You know, it's, it's. I've never been in one of these deep experiences and been like. Man, that was way off. <laughs> I shouldn't hey, listen to that voice. The, yeah, what the <laughs> hell was I thinking then? You know, I mean, that's that's definitely not the kind of information that you get. You get no. you get a you tap into something that's a lot smarter than you on a normal day to day basis, and, and that's certainly what happened for me in the tank um, this last time. So you know, first ten minutes fussing around, and then for the next thirty, I was locked in and really able to kind of receive information not only not just receive but you know you have to do a little seeking as well mm-hmm. you know some of these experiences you can really be completely a passenger and just like Woo, yeah. come come to me but with the tank you got to do a little bit of the work yourself at least for me you know and um but it comes you know what you seek you find yeah you know to a greater degree
2: so that's a, a, a little bit of kind of um, the individual's evolution in, in terms of, of the, the, your floating experience, right? Um, I think you got off to a good start. If it only takes you 10 minutes to settle down in the tank and really mm-hmm. start to um, you know reach those altered states of consciousness, then you did pretty good. Most people, especially when they... Um, are new to floating, it may take them 20 or 30 minutes to mm-hmm. sort of get past the the, the novelty and um, maybe a little bit of fear about, um, you know, what lies ahead. But uh, obviously you've had some experience and some practice in your life that, that sure. allows you to um, jump into those states of awareness a little more readily than other people might be able to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, um, I didn't, you get in there and you're like, oh, well, if this is it, you know, for the yeah. first five minutes, you're like, huh? This is yeah. going to be a long time. Can I stay here for yeah. an hour if it's just this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, eventually, you kind of settle in. And it was interesting. I got sleep. I really felt like I got sleepy first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Am I going to fall asleep? Like, is that what's is that what's going to happen?" Nope. That's not what's going to happen. We just happen. got you in there to take a good nap. Yeah, Please. exactly. So. <laughs> and, you know, and just like right when I thought I was going to reach the peak of sleepiness, all of a sudden I was very alert.
2: Like, not.
1: But alert in that kind of Different calm. Kind of alert. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I woke some part of me woke up. That I think cool. this is
2: just brainwaves slowing down. I think mm-hmm. this is just moving, you know, from from your uh, alpha or beta waves and, and getting closer to that theta state mm-hmm. that everyone's looking for in meditation and relaxation techniques. Um, I think this is that feeling of wow, I'm getting sleepy. That being said, I mean we spend a lot of time in the tanks, kind of in that limbo world between sleeping and waking. That, you yeah. know, like you are in the morning when you're dreaming really vividly, but you know that you're dreaming and you're awake because you know you have to get up soon. That, yeah. that like for me, that's a lot of the time in the tank is spent kind of in that feeling, mm-hmm. you know. But it's productive there. You do really great thinking. You're kind of out of your own way. Your your filters are down. You're you're not um, you're not uh, uh, subverting your own line of thinking, you know, right. It's a little easier to stay on the point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, in in my experience, so I had about 30 minutes in that zone. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, I had to take a pee. Yeah. And then that's just that little stimulus of like, hey, Hey, monkey! Yeah, time to pee. Yeah, I was like, no, it's not time to pee yet. Just hang on. But yeah, no as soon as in I the tank. no, peeing in the tank, <laughs> as warm and comfortable <laughs> as it is, do not pee in any sensory deprivation. But well, would tanks, you buddy. know if somebody did? That's
3: a question.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. But it would be a very expensive failure. There's thousand dollars worth of salt at risk there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the uh, don't pee in the tank. All right, <laughs> just just put that out there. Um, But yeah, even that little thing. And then so it kind of brought me out. And then I started fussing around with the buoyancy and like, wow, it's really hard to push my arms down, you know. Man, it's so awesome. Or like pushing off the walls and being like, how long will it take me if I just touch the wall to hit the other wall, you know, and started doing silly things like that. And then I would catch myself and be like, Aubrey, stop, you know, stop playing in your environment. But it's really fun just at that point because I was very relaxed and... It was just, you're in this playground that feels like outer space, you know? Yeah. When you're not bumping against the walls, you might as well be in orbit. Yes. You yes. know? You've, I mean, it just, it feels like that.
2: Yeah, that sensation of just floating in nothing Yeah, is amazing. And it's and it's what's causing a lot of the science that's going on. A lot of the chemical changes in your brain and body are caused from that. Right. But, I mean, you know, I th- I'm listening to what you're saying about your experience. It's, it's the human brain. It's so awesome, man. I mean, it that's your brain just like poking at you like, no, 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 you will not disengage from me. I have a yeah, job yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here to, to
1: it found one little way back in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, but
2: you can ignore me for 45 minutes. I'll make you pee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing when you first get in there, you know, you, mm-hmm. you'll hear your heartbeat really loud your, and your breath and your, your breathing, you, know, you can hear the blood uh, pulsing behind your ears mm-hmm. and things like that. Just all these sounds. It's like your body's this big factory making all these gurgling noises and, and mechanical sounds and everything. And I swear that's just your brain refusing to put down its work and, and yeah. relax for a moment because we're just not used to doing it. Yeah. We just don't let our brains do that often enough.
1: And man, it feels good to do it. It sure you does. Know? I mean, the whole rest of that night, I actually, so, you know, get out of the tank, did a lot of great work. And I can maybe jump back and talk about the vision I had. I only have one main vision, mm-hmm. but, you know, the whole rest of the night just felt super relaxed. But I actually, didn't, you know, I wasn't tired when I went to go sleep. Yeah. Um, I felt like I had slept already. Like I had hours of sleep already under my belt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We estimate that uh, one hour in the flotation tank is equivalent to about four hours of sleep. Even, even though you're not really sleeping the, just the physical rest and rejuvenation that your body's getting because it's in this environment where you're perfectly supported and perfectly comfortable. There's no pressure points, your circulations, you know, better than ever because you've taken gravity away. You've you, your vascular system is dilated a little bit, you know, so you're getting lower blood pressure, slower heart rate, slower respiratory rate. So you're, you're resting. You're resting really deeply. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your float was later in the evening. So it kind of doesn't surprise me that it took you a while to want yeah. to uh, go back to sleep. Yeah, felt and, like I just took a late
1: nap. Like you said, a little more know? energized yeah. when you come
2: out, right? So. Yeah,
1: for sure. Relaxed and energized. Yeah. You know, I heard I had one comment, you know, I posted my experience on my Facebook page and I had one comment and, um, this, this woman was talking about the neck pillow and she said, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. You know, cause she had neck drain issues as well. And apparently the people running her float center says, that's just your subconscious mind trying to keep your head above water. And I was like, that is some hippie bullshit. Your neck is just in the wrong place for your body. Like yeah. just use a pillow. Like, yeah. It's not your, you just got to relax, you know, right. just got to relax. Relax head. and peace out, man. Yeah. Be yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not it. Sometimes, you know, just mechanically. Yeah, we're all built different. We're all built different. Yeah. And I have a one of those monkey heads that goes forward like Vanderlay Silva Yeah. <laughs> so for me, you know, the neck pillow really helps. Well, I
2: think you're also one of those people that leads with your mind. So yeah. so you you physically uh you take on that characteristic where you kind of meet the world head first, you know. Yeah. Maybe so. so. That's, that that doesn't strike me as unusual, but Yeah. Um, you know, we we do things um at Zero Gravity Institute, we're, we're um, trying to uh, create a situation where it's comfortable for everybody and, and every type. And and this, from all of uh, my experiences in the flotation tank and, and um, my wife, who's one of our partners, and she's had a lot of experience in the float tanks too, and we really looked at like what, what is every little thing that a person could need during a float session to make it perfect, you know? And so things like the the earplugs and the pillows and um, having the water temperature exactly right. I mean, I, I designed those tanks um, so that they're computer monitored. So there's actually a computer that's taking care of, of heating the water and keeping mm-hmm. it at that exact temperature. Um, my um, experience in floating has... Um, taught me a lot about the salinity level that, that's in the tank like keeping it just right so that you're you're at the perfect level in, in the water um, which helps to I, I don't want you floating too high in the water right. or too low in the water because too high in the water your necks going to be leaning way back and that's right. going to cause stress physically too, too low in the water and you're gonna the water line's going to be too close to your eye and then you're going to be you know just d- dis- distracted through your float about whether or not you're gonna get salt water in your in your face so um,
1: and there was also some people concerned about they'd experienced a tank creating condensation on the ceiling of the tank and then dripping back into their eyes. Yeah, um, which definitely was not happening in your tank, right? You know that was not part of the part of this program for sure.
2: So right, yeah, the the um, tanks that you floated in at zero gravity are um, tanks that I designed and manufactured. So uh, they're much bigger than a typical flotation tank. So historically, a, a float tank has been about four feet wide and about four feet tall and about eight feet long. Like a coffin, Orlando. Like, a coffin, like a coffin, Orlando. <laughs> Great. Sounds awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I used to work at, the, uh, at a flotation center in California that was the first commercial center in the world. And so this is one of the main things that we heard from people coming in, people that were ready to float. They'd read about the experience. They were you know, super psyched to be there. Then they would walk in the float room, and they'd see this big black coffin. And they'd turn around, and they'd be like, no way. I'm not getting it. Couldn't you have
1: painted thing. it a more friendly color than black? <laughs> I, right. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. mean, like neon green. Yeah. No one's scared of neon green. A lovely green. yellow. A lovely yellow. <laughs> Who's scared of a canary
2: yellow? Uh, and, and so when I designed these tanks, I, w- I wanted to get all of these issues out of the way. You know, I, I wanted them to be user-friendly. I didn't want them to be intimidating when you walked into the room and saw them. And so I, I made these tanks that were, you know, so they're, they're six feet wide, they're eight feet long, they're seven feet tall. You can get in it and walk around. It's the size of a queen-size bed, right? So uh, Don't
1: get any ideas. There's none of that in a tank yeah, either. One, one person at a one time. One person at a time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I wanted to remove that 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 psychological element. I mean, in, in a traditional float tank, a smaller tank, if, if you're claustrophobic at all or think that you might be, it doesn't matter what I say to you. It doesn't matter if I tell you that once it's completely dark, those boundaries are gone. You're going to be stressed out when we get you in that tank, and that defeats the purpose of having you there in the first place because it's all about relaxing and the states of consciousness that are achieved through deep states of relaxation. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get rid of all that. I, um, I did the math and worked out the ventilation system in a way that we didn't have condensation on the ceiling. You know, I mean, how distracting is that? You're, you're in the middle well, of Well, one, one of on the coolest one of the coolest things
1: <laughs> is that there's it's indistinguishable whether your eyes are open or closed. Yes. And there's certain times where thinking I really feel like my right eye is open and my left eye is closed. I remember thinking that at some point. I was like, I'm not winking like a pirate (laughs) right now, but that's what it feels like to me like one part zoned out. You just can't tell. Right. You know, at a certain point when you're so relaxed and your eyelids are so relaxed, open, closed. I mean, you have to like blink intentionally to figure out whether they're open or close
2: a lot of times you'll go way away from your body since since there are no body sensations your consciousness will drift way away from your body Mm -hmm. then when you come back it's like you sort of have lost track of what what status was i at when i left my body (laughs) right you know and uh and i i do the same thing like i have to go okay open close open close (laughs) and and decide whether whether my eyes are open or not yeah
1: it was really really pretty interesting especially especially one of my eyes were operating on different kind independently. of independently of each other that I, i'd like to kind of see if there's anybody else that's experienced that but it was an interesting phenomenon. one eye
2: in the tank with your physical body and the other eye yeah. was peering out into yeah the like my left <laughs>
1: that's what it felt like yeah has that happened to you
2: well i i know what you're talking i know that sensation yeah
1: yeah man that was weird because my left eye was like Kind of still there Like keeping an eye On the body Right You know Like literally Like the expression says Yeah keeping an eye out Right it's like one eye I was like Yeah alright I got this right. And the other eye Was like Just in You know The galaxy somewhere
2: Yeah and I don't know if that's like left brain, right brain Maybe. activity. I mean, I find sometimes that um, I'm not floating symmetrically, you know, like you envision this, you know, picture of someone floating in perfect formation, you know, but it's not that way for me at all. Sometimes I've got one arm up over my head, you mm-hmm. know, one one leg kind of sticking out to the side. It's another reason I made the tank so big. It's because I'm out of control when I float.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, those, have you seen those survival shows where they create a compass, you know, by yeah. charging a, a piece of wire yeah. or a paperclip or something like that? like that and putting it it on a a leaf leaf, yeah (laughs) floating around i kept orienting like catty corner one way and i was like i wonder if i'm like a giant charged compass right now and i'm aligning
2: uh, which direction were you were you was your head pointing and what does that say yeah. about you Aubrey? <laughs> i don't yeah <laughs> nothing but that's probably just my
1: mind being stupid and being like hey i wonder if this is significant you know yeah. trying to figure it out but i kept aligning like the same way and i would catch myself in the catty corner my head would be like directly catty corner to right. that back left corner you know so i'm bisecting it on an angle Like, why do I keep ending up this way? You turned into a
3: compass.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I like, and and then I would orient myself again, and then I'd uh, drift back into the same spot. Um, But yeah, you know, and and we talk a lot about, you know, galaxy and source and higher self, but it's really good for just figuring out regular everyday problems too and challenges. You know, I mean, you're just able to really focus on even the most mundane. You know, obstacle that you can't seem to figure out, you can just zero right in and um, make a lot of headway, a lot of progress.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about the tanks as a as a tool for human potential, because you, you're going to your brain is going to present to you, your mind is going to present to you what it is that you need to work on. That's that that's sort of the trust that that we get to with the float tanks. Um, after uh, as many floats as I've had, I I very rarely enter the tank with some specific goal or some specific intention Mm -hmm. certainly there's room for that like you know there's no rules about floating right sure but um uh i find that when i become a, a a passive and neutral observer of my experiences in the tank then my brain will sort of dig up the things that you know here you go kevin or mm-hmm. something you need to be thinking about today, or something you need to be working on, you know. Right. And it's amazing. It's amazing how um, revealing that can be. For a, sure. A little time with yourself is a good thing.
1: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's a, certainly a balance of setting your intent and then letting go. Yeah. You know, it's the same with any any psychedelic experience, really. I yeah. mean, you want to be a passenger, right? But you also want to kind of set a little bit of the course at least for me say right okay here are some loose areas that might be interesting to explore right you know and then and sometimes it's more directed than that and then you'd let it go and usually you'll find that you end up where you wanted to go unless you were really misguided and be like ah and and, you know i've had experiences where i'm like all right i really got to figure this out and then in the first nine seconds i'm like That was silly. Yeah. (laughs) All right, back on to the real work here. You know, like the answer was already really obvious and things like that. But uh, I think it is that kind of dance between setting your intent and then just allowing the experience to take you where it needs to go.
2: You're you're absolutely right. I mean, let me say that, you know, entering the tank with specific intention is incredible. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you are you know, talk about getting your work done, right? Yep. So, I mean, we have writers, artists, musicians, poets, scientists, businessmen, people come in there for all different kinds of reasons. And there's a sense in the tanks uh, that, uh, let me rephrase that, when, when people are talking about the tanks, there's this sense that they're supposed to have this big, profound, visionary experience, which is possible, but not the only thing that you should be seeking in the tank. Right. Yeah. Um, depending on who you are, what's important to you, then um, that's why I say you, that your brain will present the work that you need to do. I, I have in the past gone into the tank with um, you know, some very specific intentions, lo- long um, experiments that I was doing where you know, day after day, every day I would go in the tank with a very specific purpose for being there. And it can be incredibly productive. Yeah. I did this experiment uh, several years ago where I was trying to retrieve memory right so I was, I was fascinated by the idea of, of um, uh, being able to retrieve memories from very, very early childhood mm-hmm. with the possibility of even remembering being inside the womb and uh, on a um, more loftier goal like were there collective memories that could be tapped into right and uh, uh, I trying to go deep, trying to go really deep, you yeah. know, and it was amazing. Cause I was, I was pulling out these memories of being a little kid yeah. and uh, you know, some, some just mundane thing in life that would just suddenly be this vivid memory. And I would get out of the tank and I would call my mom and I'd say, Hey, do you remember when this happened? And, and she would just be floored. She's like, Oh, there's no way that you can remember that. You, you know, you weren't even three years old <laughs> and I'd go into detail and I'd be like, no, I'll tell you like what the carpet was like in the living room. So how, how, far,
1: how far did you get to go?
2: The, the furthest that I got back was uh, I had this beautiful um, memory of being a baby and lying on my mom's stomach while she was lying on her back and the feeling of her breathing lifting me up and down, up mm-hmm. and down. And this is the first feeling that I got in the tank was the feeling that I was going up and down and up and down. That's and wild. It took me back to this moment, and I felt... Um, I I felt very small, very vulnerable, um, very. Um, open. So, so
1: you remembered it as the child. There. Absolutely, you kind of went back to that state.
2: I remembered my feelings. of, yeah. it, of it. It wasn't like a visual memory. Right. it was like the feeling of being there, and and um, and just how uh, uh, how vulnerable and fragile that I felt, and and she was a giant in that feeling. Like yeah. she was just this bigger than, than life kind of thing, this yeah. force ar- around me, you know, and uh, it, it uh, maybe that's human bonding, like maybe that's the bonding moment that you have with your mother or whatever, you know. But that's as far back as I was, was ever it's That's really to interesting. Retreat. You know, the
1: first time I did a boga, which is a 24-hour mm-hmm. experience, you have lots of time. Oh, man. So <laughs> I ran out of shit to think about after about hour 10. So one of the things that I did was a very similar thing. And I decided I was going to walk through, you know, in my memory, through every house that I'd ever lived in. Mm-hmm. And it was unbelievable how much detail I remembered. The stairs, the floor, what paintings were on the walls, even from when I was like a young child. You know, and I could go there was some remodel that was done in one of my houses. I could go before the remodel, after the remodel, like I could just pick. I could pick the textures of the couch, feel that. I mean, all of these little minutiae of detail that I thought were gone. Right. You know, I was able to walk through and I still can do that now that I kind of sure reawaken those those feelings but the the farthest i got back which just kind of reminds me of what you were saying is i remember a feeling of laying on my back and stretching my arm out and moving it around and i was stretching my arms out and it was this feeling of whoa i can control this hand you know it was like that first moment of wow my brain can say hand do this Uh and it does that you know, and I don't know what age that was, but I was on my back and I was doing the same thing again. You know, that kind of like, wow, look at this crazy vehicle I'm in, right. you know, and I can control it. It's awesome.
2: These are your, some of your first moments of being self aware. Yeah. Right. Science is, has asked that question a lot. Like when as human beings, do we become self aware? When do we look into the mirror and realize that it's us yeah. and not just another baby? yeah or whatever and, and you, know, you see little kids do that all the time right i mm-hmm. mean that they're looking at their hands arms up in the air experimenting with their body yeah what a what a cool thing for you to uh, it was remember yeah it was and this was during your iboga uh-huh. experience
1: but you know again it just shows the parallels and you know i i made a video called the psychedelic experience and <clears throat> you know a lot of it talks about the you know plant medicines mm-hmm. but you know there's a lot of ways to get there, yeah. and this is one of the best ways to get there. First of all, you're not going to have police worry or <laughs> concern, right. you know, right. which is a major problem, which is why I don't recommend doing, you know, psychedelics here in the States. Why well, right. I always go to Peru for ayahuasca or Costa Rica for a boga or places where it's legal, just so you don't even have that stress, right? I mean, even if the risk is low, you know, you don't want to be in this space where you're really trying to be open and vulnerable and explore. And be worried that a you know cops gonna, bust, gonna down bust down the door yeah. and yeah. throw you in jail, <laughs> you know right. which is insanity, but it's reality. Right. So you have to deal with it. But a float tank can get you, you know, a lot of the way there. All right, maybe the visuals aren't gonna be like a DMT experience. You know, you're not gonna burst through this Alex Gray chrysanthemum right. of light and right. energy and colors. Right. You know, um, but you will have some visions and some things, and but you'll get to the real meat of it. You know, a lot of that kind of splashing of vision is a, a little bit just part of the firework display you right. know really what you're doing in that is getting to the deeper modes of thinking right um people sometimes think of the psychedelic experiences like that's what that's what you're after is these vision the visuals yeah but the visuals are oftentimes just kind of the the fun part of it you know the and then the real meat. occasionally the visions are instructive and didactic you know yeah. A dragon taught me a lot, and I had an eagle teach me some stuff. But that's, that's way less common than I'm just being like, whoa, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's generally what that is. And you know, a lot of times for me in those spaces, it's just like, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. But that's, that's all it really is. It's a fireworks show. And then the real work is happening with the thinking. And the same real work is happening in the tank.
2: Well, I think you can get to some of those um, pretty fantastic visual uh moments in the tank. Uh, it takes some practice, it takes um you know, the big game, the 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 skill that you're learning when you're in the tank is how to let go and then let go more and then let go more and and um so I Isn't I've that had the whole some, game of life? Isn't it though? <laughs> it really is. Like yeah. The, yeah.
1: More, <laughs> the more the more I become older and a little bit less ignorant. You know, I wouldn't say wiser, but I think we're just trying to get a little less yeah. ignorant. The more I realize that the hard part is not when you see a challenge in front of you and you say, I need to defeat that, bring all my power. For me, that's, that's the easy part. The right. hard challenges are the ones where I have to let go, let go of that attachment, let go of that fear, let go of that stress, right. you know, where you don't have a dragon to slay. You know yeah. that's tangible. You have some kind of thing that you have to let go, and that's really one of the big keys to to living a happy, fulfilled life is letting go. Yeah. And what a tool to have is to be able to go to the tank, which is entirely that process in a microcosm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think we're lucky to have the tanks. I think it's um, it's kind of uh, without being too lofty about it. I think it's kind of our um, our chance. As a culture, to have uh, that kind of medicine, it, it's legal. It's healthy. You know, you don't have to worry about all those things. Um, you know, I'm I'm sad that that we're not able to use psychedelic medicine in this country. I'm 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 doing some research right now about uh, Peru and, and mm-hmm. ayahuasca experience, and I'm preparing to um, do that myself. You know, but, very cool. Um, and I'd love to talk to you more about that. Uh, but I think for right now, um, what what we have in the flotation tank is a great tool for for seekers and explorers, in kind of a unique way, right? The the uh, flotation tank has no dogma attached to it, and this this is what I love about it. It's sort of the uh, tool for the the self-guided. Yeah. Right. You don't have to go in there and have a certain chant or a mantra. You don't have to wear a a hat or a piece of jewelry or anything like that. You know, there's there's no rules about it. If you want to. Float in the tank with some music. You can do that. If you want to keep the door open, you can do that. If you want to close everything and go all the way and go as deep as you can possibly go, you can do that. There's there's no rules applied to it, so it's it's great for the the person who's uh, seeking their own. Except path. for don't pee in it. Yeah. That's a rule. Yeah, that is a rule, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I just contradicted <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's just a cool um, option that we have, you know. And um, I, I wish that more people had experience with it I, I think that i see people change literally right in front of my eyes i mean they can walk into the float center and i um uh you know sensitive to people's energy as they come in it's very interesting to watch people come in from the world and they're they're carrying a carrying a lot with them you can see them physically manifesting you after. should
1: really do a before after like yeah. five second video clip just be like yeah. hey what's up my name's aubrey and i'm here to float and then just do the same thing when they come out like yeah. Hey, what's up? I wish My name's sometimes... Aubrey, and I just floated. Yeah, that was
2: awesome. Yeah,
1: you know, like just see the different countenance because that's how it is for everybody. Yeah, I, I wish people
2: it. could see the see a picture of Do themselves before it. and Do after. It. We should we should start doing. Yeah, that. Yeah, for right? sure. And and just just to see your you physically change, like your shoulders come down, mm-hmm. you know, your head's more relaxed, you're talking a little differently. You're, you're you know, it's it's amazing.
1: It is so. You know, hopefully, a lot of you listening have some access to this. Um, I know it's, they're not out there everywhere, um, but they're coming. But they're-, they're they're moving fast. Yeah, there's and, more and uh, more of
2: them opening up all the time. We get phone calls a couple times a week from centers that are getting ready to open in different parts of the world and talking to us about, you know, using our tanks and their float centers and stuff. Yep. That's and at
1: happening. the very, at the very least, you're going to have an incredibly relaxing, restorative experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't go in there with these expectations of some immaculate, you know, understanding or grandeur, just go in there, trust that you're going to relax, trust that you're going to feel good when you're done. Right. And, um, you're going to get that, right. you know, and everything else you know there's a hell of a chance you're going to get that too you yeah. know but at the very minimum you're going to feel pretty pretty cool when you're done
2: that, that's a really good thing to bring up good warning for people about the tanks is sometimes your own expectations, some of the mythology and the stories that it surround floating can really I- inhibit your your experience in the tank because you're going in there thinking that you're going to get shot out into the universe and right. you're gonna you know go out of your body and and you know have all this amazing stuff happen w- which is totally possible but if you go in there like you know click the stopwatch. and It's, wait it's just for the another, it's another yeah.
1: tool for your mind to say, Hey, that's not happening yet. Hey, that's not happening. Yeah. When is this going to happen? You know, just let that, let all that stuff go.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that, and, and when you let it go and when you become that neutral observer of your own experience, that's when the big stuff Aha. starts to happen right? You're out Aha. of your that's own good. way. Yeah. And, uh, you can sort of uncork the bottle and, and let the flow start to happen
1: for sure. So Orlando, what do we got to do to get you in the tank, man?
3: I am going. I'm You're gonna going to do it. You're going to do I'm it? i do it on Saturday. Right, <laughs> Saturday yeah. afternoon. Saturday.
1: Comfortably far enough away that yeah. you don't have to commit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figure after a tough
3: <laughs> soccer game, that probably would yeah. be a pretty, pretty good way to did you wind down. He was like,
2: I'm coming in. I'm going to do it on Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> the fear crept back in. Yeah. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'll definitely do it. Yeah.
1: You should. We'll I have to talk about it on that. Next time after you do it on Saturday. I <laughs> yeah,
3: will, on Saturday. Yeah, we're going to try to put together
2: a, a podcast where we do some interviews with people who uh, sort of do their before and after experiences and you know, start collecting some of that for, for people to share. Because I think that would help with uh introduce a lot of new people to it. People who might be a little bit nervous or skeptical about doing it. I think if there was a, a resource for them to to look at the experiences that other people are having, I think it would open it up to a lot more people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I really think if you just had some people, you know, obviously voluntarily, you know, people who are frequent, just come in and say, you know, stay your name. I am blank, and I feel, or how am I doing today? You know, like. I'm doing pretty good, you know, blah blah blah. And then at the end, it's not even so much what they're saying, you'll just see, you know, because pictures are only a picture. But if you actually get to see, even like five seconds, yeah, you know, you'll see a change. Your voice sounds different, your whole body's like, (sighs) yeah, this feels good. So that would be awesome. Well, man, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for pushing this industry forward. Thank you for bringing this opportunity to Austin. Um, you know, I'm certainly going to take advantage of it. Orlando may, but we'll keep pushing. Them. I'll be there. On Saturday. You'll see <laughs> So that sounds good. And anybody, uh, anybody in the Austin area who wants to come to the Austin area, um, zero gravity Institute is the name. Where can That's they right. find you?
2: We're at zerogravityinstitute.com. Uh, there's a website there with a lot of information. You can go to Facebook. Uh, we have a zero gravity Institute uh, page on Facebook, um, I, you know, I want to take a minute, though, and thank you and, um, and Joe Rogan, too. You guys are um, I'll pass great along. voices for floating and, and the benefits of floating. We, we have so many people that come through the doors and, and talk about, like, oh, I heard about it on a podcast, you know? and, and it's guys like you that are not afraid to uh, get in front of the microphone and uh, talk about the interests that you have and the things that you do. And it opens people's minds uh, to the possibilities that are out there. And and, uh, I know that a lot of times I hear interviews with you and you talk about the benefits of the tank and the possibilities of peeling back the layers that we have on us in in the tank. And and I uh, personally, I appreciate what you do. And I know that uh, other people in the float business really appreciate
1: what you do. Well, I certainly... uh appreciate that sentiment and for me it's just i'm happy to talk about any tool that's helped me because if it's helped me there's a good chance it can help other people and i know you know joe feels the same you know it's just we talk about the stuff that has worked for us yeah. and um you know we'll talk about the stuff that doesn't work for us too and uh, and we'll let you know that but the tank is something that you know really this experience was i could i could see the potential from the last experience mm-hmm. but this was the one that really kind of woke me up to how you know, practical it wasn't. And it, and it was just a few little things. For me, it was the neck pillow, it was the earplugs. Um, and so that was it. I also get a lot of questions. I want to address this on the podcast. So sure. um, people ask, Oh, should I smoke some weed before I go in? Should I do it sober? And I think the best way for me to explain that is the tank itself is medicine. Yes. And just like any other entheogen is medicine itself, you know, right. mushrooms or anything like that. Until you really know that medicine, you know, until you really know it. Don't combine it with anything else i I, like, I agree a hundred percent that's you, you just i mean maybe down the road you'll want to, but you better be something of a master before you start creating this kind of alchemical com- combination between the two right know the tank first and then you know make up your mind what to do as long as you don't pee in it. most of the tank people are going to be pretty cool
2: <laughs> I, you're you're exactly right I mean you want to have your flotation experience um you want, to un- you want to know that it was the flotation tank and, right. and, and you that, that made it happen, not, not some other medicine, something else that you're doing. Um, w- there's a lot of experimentation done with a lot of different uh, psychedelics in the tanks early on. And what, what we found out from it was that um, under, uh, you know, in quotes, normal dosages, the some of those things just aren't very effective in the tank. It takes a certain amount of external stimulation to make those things work, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until you got into pretty heroic doses that, that it started to um, really affect the tank uh, experience beyond just you know a feeling of euphoria or, right. or, or disconnection. So, so uh, know the medicine first,
1: yeah. Don't be medicines. yeah, <laughs> until you're a master. Yeah. Then, right. then yeah. you know, once you're a master. And you know, maybe take a little license to experiment with the scientific yeah. mind. And,
2: and once we've, uh, once our government has led up on some of that thing, and, and yeah. we can we can get back into you know, safely and l- legally, uh, working with those. exploring kind of the kinds. options. Yeah, yeah. for Which sure. Hopefully, we'll be soon. It kind of seems like we might be on on the course to uh, well opening up to that a little bit.
1: Rick Doblin and Maps are working hard, Yeah, the Rick's an Institute guy. and uh, and a lot of these people are working hard to make that happen. But for now. Uh, we got the tanks as medicine. And, yeah. um, you know, next time we'll have to talk about some other things too because I'm sure you've had some other experiences in some of these other ways that we can reach this state as well. Uh, I certainly have. But the tanks are one of the best out there. So if you get an opportunity, hit up a tank. Absolutely. Thank you to you, sir, for pushing this industry forward. Also, if you're interested in, you know, potentially opening a float tank center, definitely talk to Kevin about his tanks.
2: They're awesome. Very state-of-the-art and very They're user-friendly. awesome. Yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. So, hit him up about that. Much love everybody. Sorry about the long hiatus for the Warrior Poet podcast. Had to get warmed up again. It was yeah. like I've been out of the game for a little while, you know, I needed to stretch out here, but I think I got I think I got it down, so we'll hopefully keep this momentum going. Much love everybody. Thank you Orlando. Thank you Kevin. Thank you Aubrey.
0: Thank See you, you Orlando.